Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizers Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking a 12-week health course BioOptimizers offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, BioOptimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to encourage you that anything is possible. I'll also be interviewing Eric Severson, who recognized this and forged a path filled with extreme adventure and extreme success. His story will encourage you to dream big. Anything is possible. For more information about Eric, please visit ericseverson.com. That's E-R-I-K-S-E-V-E-R-S-E-N.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Anything is possible. When I was a little boy, I would watch a lot of cartoons. I remember one show in particular when this character ran off of a cliff and just floated there, taunting the people behind him. And the people behind him says, you can't float. There's gravity. You'll fall. And as soon as he heard that, He realized he can't float and he fell. That was a really powerful episode for me because I remember thinking, if I don't know something, does that mean I can do it? If I didn't know about gravity, would I be able to float? And that's a really powerful thought because many of us have hopes and dreams and goals that we would like to accomplish. But unfortunately, our environment or even what the world says, says we won't be able to accomplish it. There's no way you can do this. This is not possible. And because of that, the dream that we initially have all of a sudden dies stillborn. It's so easy to be talked out of anything. If we've never done something before, we don't have a baseline or even the confidence that we can do it. Those times when we have those hopes and dreams, it's so important to guard them to only tell certain people who you know will help nurture that dream. Think about your life. Is there anything that you've thought about, perhaps as a child or even today, that you've always wanted to accomplish, but your immediate thought was, oh, there's no way that will come true. 
No, there's no way I could ever do that. Why? Who told you that you could never do it? Because the people around us may not have been able to accomplish their goals. Unfortunately, that mentality can rub off on us. If you want to go to school, go to school. If you want to travel the world, travel the world. If you want to start a new career, then start a new career. If you have an invention in your mind, but you think it's too big, then unfortunately you're stopping yourself from trying it, from working diligently on it. There's so many wonderful, fortuitous events that happen around us each day. I've been blessed to experience those, randomly sitting on a plane, meeting someone at a party, which introduced me to a really big contact. And after meeting these individuals, my life changed. Many opportunities arose. But the reality is, at that time, I wasn't able to accomplish certain things because I needed those people. It's the same thing with you. There are so many wonderful, fortuitous, providential events that are around you every moment. If you're struggling to accomplish that which you'd like to accomplish, perhaps you're not open to receiving the assistance or the help or the encouragement that's around you. It all starts in our thoughts. If we immediately tell ourselves, there's no way I can do something. Well, my friend, unfortunately, that's true. You're not going to be able to do it. The self-talk that you create for yourself is very important. If you can self-encourage or just tell yourself, I may not know how to do it, but I will be able to do it one day, that is a great foundational piece for you to be able to accomplish it. And as you have this self-encouragement, you're more open to meeting the right people, to having coincidental opportunities, doors open for you that you weren't expecting. And I don't mean that in a mystical way. I just simply mean when we are encouraged to believe that something will come true or that can come true, it starts the process of finding the answer. Nowadays, people say you shouldn't tell your children they could be anything they want because that's not true. Well, the reality is with hard work, a lot of that is true. So whatever you'd like to do, remember it's hard work. If you want to start something completely different in your life or something new, it is going to take work. The more invested and committed you are with the self-encouragement you have and that tenacity and drive within you, that is going to help you accomplish your goal. So I really want to encourage you today that anything is possible. You're going to hear a wonderful interview with Eric Severson, who realized that for himself. He lives a life of adventure, and he realizes, just like with you, that with hard work, anything is possible. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Eric Severson has lived a crazy life, from hitchhiking from London to Central Africa to living with a remote Indian tribe in the Amazon to building and selling businesses. Eric has forged a path with extreme adventure and extreme success. His current passion is showing people how to discover a greater sense of meaning by adding belonging, purpose, and storytelling into their lives. Welcome to my show, Eric. Thanks, James. I'm absolutely stoked to be here. I've listened to your show many times, and uh, here I am on it. <laughs> I'm very honored that you're here as well. You have a fascinating story. I, I know you're, so many people are going to live vicariously through you. You have done, I mean, what I read in the intro was so minimal compared to all the things you've done. So it's going to be great to hear your story. Now, you grew up in, in Tacoma, Washington, and yeah. it was wholly different for you. I mean, you weren't, I'll let you tell your story, but you started out in life and then all of a sudden your life changed for you. So tell me, tell us how your support system was, how your younger life was. Yeah, I, I, I grew up in an absolutely average household. It was in Parkland, which is actually a suburb of Tacoma, Washington. Uh-huh. Um, I had some, some support from my family, but I was, you know, shy, a little bit nervous as a kid and I didn't do very well. Um, got pretty poor grades up until my junior year in high school. Um, when I told 
as a senior, my, my counselor that I wanted to go to UCLA, mm-hmm. you know, my first three years of, of education, my grades are low. She literally pushed herself away from the desk and said, you'll never get into a school what? like that. Walked out. That was my <laughs> 30 minute that counseling session in high school. And, um, and you know, it affected me. I had tears in my eyes. I had to sit in the room for a few minutes to just process what she had just said. So I applied to UCLA and they rejected me. Um, so I pulled up my pants, studied harder, went to a community college for two years and I got into UCLA two years later. Congratulations. So that, that was a, a big learning thing that lesson that, that no matter, even when somebody says you can't do something, if you work hard, you're dedicated and focused. Um, it is possible. And, um, I, even as a kid, I thought that there was a, I had wide eyes, optimistic eyes, and mm-hmm. I thought big things were possible. Um, one of the first times that came to fruition was I wanted to play ice hockey and all the ice hockey kids were playing since they were six years old. Now I'm 13 and I decided I want to play. So I taught myself how to skate in a period of 18 months and joined the team and ended up at a junior B level up in wow. Washington. That's yeah. amazing. That's really cool. And, and, um, and I just kept doing things that people said were impossible. Rode my bicycle from Tacoma to, to California when I was, I think, 18. I was 18. And so, and, and the things just kept kept getting bigger and bigger. And the, you mentioned Africa. I, I literally wanted to see, you know, elephants and giraffes and see what Africa was all about. And t- t- the truth is I read a book called Things Fall Apart by Chinoy Achebe. And it said something totally different from my high school textbooks. So really? I, I, okay. I wanted to see what yeah. Africa was really like. So I mowed lawns for eight months. Um, London was the cheapest flight to that part of the world. And I hitchhiked down and the cheapest way to get to Africa. And, and I ended up having a great experience. It wasn't all easy. Um, that's where I learned how to really overcome fear too. Mm-hmm. But um, it, that sent a trajectory of doing things that are extraordinary. And it doesn't mean I'm extraordinary, but I'm I'm choosing to do things that are extraordinary. Yeah. And that is absolutely amazing. How did you know, or how did you find that tenacity to say, regardless of what people say, regardless of what the world may say, or this, this counselor may say, how did you know that you were going to do this or that you were going to try regardless of what people said? You know, I think it's a, uh, there, there's that there kind of like an anonymous quote that says he was foolish and he was so f- the, the fool didn't know it was impossible. So he did it. Mm. And, it and it's kind of a, around that a little bit. I had such optimistic eyes that I would chase things that were absolutely kind of unreasonable. And, um, and as they happened, then I became to see that, oh, it is, it's a lot easier to make things happen. And I think a lot of people, they can do so much more than they think. Sure. Um, I know your story, you were in a, you were, you were in a stage where you were having had a great career, mm-hmm. but there was something more. <laughs> yes. So you, you decided I'm going to reorchestrate my life and you did it. A lot of people are in that same position, but they're scared yeah. to take the change because they don't know what can happen. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So the whole sense, because that's a form of mediocrity. If, if we know, because I always tell people, if you find yourself asking the question, there's got to be more to life, or I can't imagine myself doing this job one more time, or I can't imagine uh, hanging out with my friends every Friday doing the same thing. That is a form of mediocrity from the smallest thing to the largest thing. Why do you think so many people, even though they know they're not fulfilled, why do you think they stay in that position? I, I really think it's when they, when they ask them, they, they ask themselves the question in a shallow way. They, they just, you know, I'm not fulfilled. However, they just keep doing it because it's routine, it's habit there. Mm-hmm. And then the thought of breaking out of that is, is really scary. And, and I think people who work hard, smart helps, but smart is, I think something that you can get to by working hard and studying and things like that. And too many people are just caught thinking that they're not good enough or smart enough to do something else. Um, 
people believe, I think they overestimate how smart other people are mm, and how sorry. good other sure. people are. And they underestimate. And, you know, that's from a book, of course. Um, they underestimate how smart and good they are themselves. And so taking those risks to overcome the fear really, really can go far. And um, people think of fear and pain both as a bad thing. Mm. But I think those two things are great. Sure. Um, when uh, I, I gave a speech recently about overcoming fear and I, and I said, would you rather be chased by a tiger totally relaxed or hopped up on the chemicals of fight or flight? And <laughs> I, I for sure would want those fight or flight chemicals <laughs> yes, going through me. So if I'm going to go give a speech publicly, um, I don't want to be totally relaxed. Mm -hmm. I want to have the, the, the alertness and the, the, the strength and the mental acuity that comes with a little bit of fear as long as you don't let it overcome you. Yeah. And I think it's the part is the first part of it is where we're the most fearful. What if I fail? Or let's say you're going to give a speech, the seeing yourself on stage. And then all of a sudden, or just even walking onto stage, that's the most fearful. But most people when they're on stage, they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I do think it is the snapshot we create for the first part of any change we make can be so daunting that that's probably another reason why they don't change. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and another kind of funny thing about fear, and I, I got this from a guy named Adam Flores who was doing a seminar down in um, Irvine, not too far from LA. So, he, and he said, when you're doing something to help somebody else, fear goes away. And mm, he gave an example. Sure. He so there are about 100, 150 people in this room, and he said, okay, during the break, I want um, you guys all to go out to find a homeless person and or, or no, yeah, and and give them a dollar, and. How does that feel? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's easy. So you've walked up to a stranger and you've had a, an interaction. How about I want you to go up to somebody standing in line to check into the hotel and ask for a dollar? And so the ah, idea is that seems very fearful. So when you're doing something to help somebody, there's zero fear. Mm. When you're doing something to get something, then there's fear. I like that. That's a really good reframe because obviously benevolence, altruism, it's, it's something that isn't, it's not intrinsic within us, but it's always about our motivation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think it's important for each one of us to ask that question. Often we experience something and we use it as either a stumbling block or a stepping stone. And I think it's important as you talk about overcoming fear, sometimes even looking back on one's life to say, when did I experience this before? How did I overcome this particular emotion? And how did I move forward? And it's the same type of thing. It's maybe a different circumstance, but it's the same type of emotional struggle. Uh, absolutely. And, and putting things into perspective, um, the, the, the first, the biggest fear, one the, probably the most fearful I've been in my life. Um, there've been a few actually, but this is a big one. So this is in Africa. I had just gone from Benin into Nigeria. I'm in a shared taxi to cross the border with five Africans and myself. And they, there were checkpoints about every half mile and we'd stop and they kept searching my bag and wanting drives, et cetera. The taxi driver decides not to stop at a checkpoint. Now it's no fun at all. They oh, throw a spike board across the board. Oh my gosh. Um, guys, shooting his machine gun in the air behind us, yelling us to stop. And now it's guns to the head, my head, because I was the only non-African in the car. They dragged me out, put me in a hut. And at one point he literally stuck the machine gun in my mouth as he's yelling that I'm a spy. Oh. And I was paralyzed with fear. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and in the end, the day worked out. Um, it led to something kind of good because somebody in the taxi helped me out with something big later. So, <laughs> but now two, two months later, I'm going to Green River Community College. Um, and, uh, somebody ran up to me as a flyer that said, Hey, Hey, Eric, I, this is a job in Japan. It looks great. It's perfect for you. And it was a green river starting a branch campus in Japan. And they were hiring a student to go over to help with the, the, the opening of the school. And so I was so excited about this. I couldn't wait, applied, got, <laughs> got the awesome. interview, 
put on a suit for the first time in my life to go for this interview because I took it so seriously. And then as I'm driving towards the school for the interview, I started to panic because I was becoming overcome with fear. As I'm walking down the hallway now, seconds away from opening the door for this interview, I couldn't even tell you my name because I I wanted the job so bad. I was fearful of not getting it. And I I was having a panic frozen attack. My hands were sweating and I literally something happened and I stopped. I took a deep breath and I said, you know what? Two months ago, I had a gun in my face. I really want <laughs> this job. Perspective, yes. Yeah. In the big picture, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And um, and I relaxed, had a great interview and got the job. And that has stuck with me in many, many nice situations. Yes. yes. It's so great to use those Snapchats because literally when you think about something that was so profound and so... Um, just something that was, I don't want to say traumatic, but just a, just a huge experience. When you put things in perspective, I think we're good. I think we got this. <laughs> exactly, James. You're right. You talk about meaning. I know you, you have four pillars of meaning. Help us um, understand what that is. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, the funny thing is I lived these things. So I, I wrote um, 42 narratives about my life. Like, like you said, I lived with the Indians, remote Indians in South America. I worked up in Alaska for t- two summers. I was up there. I, I went into the USSR before it was open in 89. Oh, wow. And so I've, I've done quite a few different things, lived in Paris for seven months, had a girlfriend there and that was fun. So, so I wrote these experiences uh, about my life and then I realized it wasn't enough to really give to other people who don't know me to, to have value. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I read a book by Emily Esfahani Smith called the power of meaning. And it basically said, Meaning is based on four pillars, belonging, transcendence, storytelling, and purpose. Mm. And I realized, you know what? That's exactly why I've found meaning in my life. <laughs> and so, so cool. I, I, I organized these 42 narratives. Actually, I cut 20 of them out. So it's down to 22. Um, and I organized them into those four groups of how did I get a sense of belonging from this relationship? How did I get a sense of purpose from this action? How did I have a sense of transcendence from what happened in this situation? And so um, it really is an easy way to inject meaning in your lives and fulfillment. And in her book, Esfani Smith says that people are searching for happiness and that's happiness is a byproduct. Mm-hmm. What they really need is. Is, is, is meaning. So like we talked about the people who were in their rut with their jobs going mm-hmm. to nine to five, whatever, um, doing their thing. All they need to do is something as simple as Google clubs near me, book clubs near me. If they like to read, um, knitting clubs near me, if they like to read, join a club, yeah. um, go make it a, make it a, make a point to have coffee with somebody once every three weeks. Um, the in orchestrate things that you can do. And then for purpose, the whole idea there is do something that is beyond yourself, bigger than yourself. And that usually involves helping people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be going to Africa and building, digging a well for a village. It could be as, 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 as simple as, um, helping, helping somebody, you know, right next door and, and doing something simple. So, but those, those things really inject a lot of meaning wow. into to lives and transform people at I, I see it really clearly. I like how you, obviously how you, how you roll out those pillars, but just a simple fact of just slightly do something different. You know, you make a, what is it? A minor adjustment makes a major improvement in one's life. When you, when you make a little bit of a change, it creates a divergent path the more you keep doing it. And so sometimes it is as simple as one little step or one little phone call or one little Google search or something. And it can literally be the impetus for your life to change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I believe in routines strongly. I, mm-hmm. I, I love t- t- Tim Ferriss reading his stuff is one of the ones that made me research. <laughs> great, yeah. yeah re- research what, what successful people, what billionaires do. And one of them was their morning routines. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them meditate. Yes. Um, almost all of them do, do diff- a routine in the morning. <clears throat> so I started meditating and doing a morning routine about, uh, two years ago and it, it skyrocketed yes. my productivity. Yes. Um, 
And, but the routine is great. Do you know what's also great is breaking the routine. So finding ways to do something different. So about every once a month, I'll take a freezing cold shower just so my body says something's different about today. What is it? And and the chemicals I'll, I'll fast about once uh, every six weeks or so for a a day or two. Um, I'll sleep outside with, even with my kids, we'll just sleep in the backyard for, (laughs) you know, about, you know, two, three times a year, um, just to do something absolutely different to break the routine because it shakes things up a little Mm -hmm. bit and your mind functions differently when you're shaken up a little bit. One thing I usually tell my clients or my patients is if they're struggling with a form of depression or just really concentrating, I always tell them just when you come home, actually sit in a different part of the couch or a different part of the, of the living room, wherever you are, because when you literally sit in a different place, your surroundings are different. Your, your, your vision has to see the world differently. So when it is so overwhelming, a simple thing, a simple shift just by sitting in a different spot helps you look at the world in a slightly different way. So I, I, t- I take it a little bit different, but I love how you, how you have so many changes because it is right. You are right in that sense that when we do break out of mediocrity or break out of tradition at times, it really allows us to grow exponentially. James, I, I absolutely love that. And I'm going to take it another step. If <laughs> any of your listeners have a partner that they sleep in the same bed with, uh-huh. um, challenge them. And I haven't done this myself. I'm going to do this myself because I just thought of it. Sleep on the opposite side of the bed because that's one of those routines that is so ingrained sure, with us. Yeah. We love our side of the bed yeah. generally. And so just to, to switch that up for a night might be really funny to see what how different it must feel. <laughs> well, it's actually very interesting because in psychology, the side of the bed that one sleeps on really determines kind of the assertive roles that people may play. So it would be interesting because it, and by proxy, you then have a different emotional output as you're lying in bed. So that would be quite interesting. Oh, I love that. That's, this, you could go pretty far with that one. <laughs> exactly. The last thing you talk about is taking action. Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. So I definitely, when I really got on a wave of really wanting to do something different, mm-hmm. um, I you know started reading all of the books, Napoleon Hill, yes. of course there's Tim Ferriss and you've got you know Gerber with mm-hmm. you know the E-Myth Revisited. So I started reading all these things and I think a lot of us start to think that when we're in that stage, that is making us better, which it is. However, at some point you need to start doing rather than learning. Yes. Yes. And I see so many people. One of the biggest things I've done for the, the cut, the cut, my clients is let them know when to break away from reading the next book because they think they're being productive because mm. they're learning another book. However, it's time to start doing rather than learning. Um, and so that's a really key thing. I, Bruce Lee has a great quote. It's, um, um, Willing is not enough. We must apply, mm. uh, and, you know, and I like that, that. that's yeah. where that, that, that that's at. And psychology and the theories of learning, there's actually a version of that because we can learn all we want, but in order for it to crystallize, in other words, for it to solidify, you have to do it by rote. You have to practice it. And then once you do it a few times, you can actually walk away from it. And because it has been crystallizing your brain, then all of a sudden you are very proficient with it, but you have to do it a few times before on the other side of it, the proficiency comes in. And so that's so important that just like you said, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. If you actually haven't done it, you'll never actually learn it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's and, and teaching is of course a really, really good way to, to get things. And I, I think I think everybody needs to have coaches um, mm-hmm. and mentors and um, I, I pay for coaches myself and people pay me to, to be their coach, awesome. be their mentor. Yeah. And, and the great thing is um, I'm learning things from people who are ahead of me in the game. 
people behind me are learning from me in the game. And actually I learn from the people I coach as well. But when you're teaching it, you look at it in such a mm-hmm. different way that it really goes straight to the yes. heart and, 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 and never goes away. Yes. Cause you have to formulate it differently in your mind. When we, as a learner, we, 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 well, that's a different role, but when you teach it, then you actually have to make sure you understand all the different facets of whatever that philosophy or thought is. Yeah. And do, and do you know what I love, um, is sometimes when I'm explaining something to some, to somebody, uh, the explanation organizes itself mm-hmm. as I'm saying it <laughs> just because of a different, different situation. And, and I, I've literally said to things in my head, like, wow, where did that come from? And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and I really like it. That's really um, wise. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but similarly, I think people who try to figure something out, they, they freeze, they lock up because they're trying to figure out the best answer. Mm-hmm. So if I say, what's the best way to do X and I try and brainstorm my, the best way to do X, sometimes the brain kind of locks up a little bit and you're trying to figure it out. Uh, what two tricks I like to do is one is to say, what's the stupidest way to do X. Mm, And then all of a sudden these different ideas start coming because I'm not worried about getting the best way. And one of them takes the pressure off. Yeah. Create enough just to do it. And exactly James, it takes the pressure off. Um, or I'll have uh, my students before they give a speech, for example, ask themselves, how would a really amazing speaker say this? Mm. Or if they're working on a problem, how would a really smart person answer this. And that way it comes from ourselves, but it doesn't feel like it. So the answer seems to arrive really easily. You can externalize it. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eric Severson, it has been an absolute pleasure having you be, be on my show. I know you get a chance to talk about your book, but you definitely tell us where more about your book and tell us where we can find more information about you online. So, so the easiest place is just go to ericseverson.com and it's E-R-I-K-S-E-V-E-R-S-E-N. So um, two places to get it wrong, but ericseverson.com. <laughs> and that kind of jumps to the different things I've got going on from, from work to coaching to the books coming um, and, and all that good stuff. So yeah, Excellent. it's been a pleasure, James. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise in this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.